Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Another week that I need a haircut, and yet I'm still here without one in the Garage Door Sports studio. Nick McVicker joined... By my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Irfan, you're laughing really hard at that comment. Thank you for that. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. You should uh, just take a pair of clippers and... and oh, are you ready for this? From... Just, just... My dad bought haircutting scissors. You guys know my dad, so it's it's actually funny. Um, but as soon as those, yeah, get, in, bro, uh... as soon as those okay. get in, you'll see me wearing a hat probably. Um, Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. Happy to be talking sports again uh, this week. So, yeah. and there's a lot of sports to talk about, kind of. Lots of German soccer action that we could talk about. Lots of KBO action. Not that we're going to. <laughs> um, but more return to play stuff has come up, which is awesome. And that is where we are going to start with our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrar brothers, Daniel and Gabriel, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they are ready to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Follow them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. So two leagues have confirmed their return to play protocols, I, I will use the word, this week. The NBA and MLS... Um, NBA is doing a 22-team return-to-play format. 13 teams coming out of the Western Conference, only nine coming out of the Eastern Conference. So no Knicks, no Bulls. We don't have to worry about that after our conversation last week. (laughs) Um, And Zion gets in. They're doing eight. Uh, To a playoff, yeah. Yeah. So No, I said return-to-play. Right. And now I get what the NBA was saying when they said that Zion was going to be part of the return to play. To be fair, I don't think they ever said that he was going to be part of the playoffs. Now that I actually think about what was said, I think they covered their own butt and yeah. said that he was going to be part of a return to play um, format. Anyways, 22 teams, eight regular season games each, and they're going to try to use the same schedule that they had beforehand. So basically, if you are playing a team that is in the return-to-play format, you will play that team. If you're supposed to play a team that is not in the return-to-play format, you skip that game. Uh And they're going to give every team eight games. And if the ninth-place team at the end in either conference 
is less than four games behind the eighth place team. There is a one game play in prior to the playoffs. So that's that. Now, they're all going to be going to Orlando. They're all going to be playing at the ESPN Y World of Sports on the Disney Resort. Other than that, everything's the same. And they're hoping that the top 16 teams um, will make it through, but we'll see. What are your guys' thoughts on this return to play, um, I guess, this system that they're going to use? Um, you want to take that, Kyle? Um, I, I, I think it's fair for all these teams. Um, we had talked about the teams, you know, potentially missing out on the playoffs that were, you know, a couple games out, especially in the West where it was really close. Um, and I think that's definitely a key in this one. Um, like, obviously, we had talked about Zion and stuff like that and having the chance and... I think for most teams that this is exactly that. It's a chance, and it's um, definitely useful in that fact. The East is pretty much already done, unless Washington can somehow come way back in the uh, well, in the East. Well, to, to, again, with that one game play-in option, right? They only need to be. They only need to make up a game and a half in eight games. Yeah, and then and honestly, that's the only thing I don't like about it is that part of it. Yeah. Um, I think if, if a team's three games back it's, and when it's done, it, to me, they weren't going to make up those three games anyways. Yeah. Um, which to me seems a little excessive. I get it. If, you know, if you're a game or two, um, then sure, a playoff is fine. But it's one of those, anything more than that, still a little bit of a hill to climb comparatively to uh, a team that's already in. So. Yeah. That's the only thing I disagree with, but I get that for sure. Yeah, I, I, I personally would have left the East with the top eight because you you look at where Washington is; they're five and a half games behind, and no disrespect to them, but everyone ahead of them is much better than them. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have eight games left. Like, are you are they expecting, let's say, Orlando and Brooklyn to lose like six of those games in order to make it any sort of competition? Like, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen so the east could have easily been settled and said that this is how we're going to go with it um the west on the other hand is a little bit tighter especially with the teams that are not in the playoff position so i mean i'm cool with that but you know like there's a three two and a half three game difference between memphis and portland in third so like that makes realistic sense that they can probably catch up because it's such a competitive conference but uh, I probably would have just left the East with the with the top eight there and just said, here's the seating. This is your playoffs. If you guys want to play non-playoff teams in an exhibition game, then, then that's your warm-up. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. I mean, the problem is they wouldn't be able to bring non-playoff teams in. Yeah. They're trying, to, or, they're trying know, to limit how many teams are there, right? So they're not, they're not going to send extra. True. So then the other option is like just, uh, you know, play the team that you don't think you're going to see. So once they, you know, when you do the brackets one to eight and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, just play the team you won't probably see until the conference. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. Um, you look at it, though, and you guys are saying that Washington was too far out at five and a half games out. Phoenix, the 13th team in the West, is sixth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
right? So could they have just so dropped it down to 20? Would have only made sense. I, I think so. Like they probably could have just had nine to eleven make it because that's a or nine to twelve make it because I think that's a reasonable gap, for example. But again, the minute you're going five and a half, six, seven games, it, it doesn't make sense. Fair enough. I mean, so like I mean, like if that mindset was done in the East with just the top eight based on you know games remaining or games back, then they should have applied in the in the West. But I guess I don't know. No, I get that, and I get what you're saying. I mean, it, it is just a weird. The whole thing is obviously unprecedented. We've never seen something like this, and we're probably never going to see something like this again in our lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. They are trying to make up a way to return to play. They are trying to find a way to play games to finish off a season that had already started and was close to the end. Right? It's not like this is the beginning of a season, like the MLS yeah. or the MLB, right? These guys were 75, 80%, maybe even cl- higher than that. I, I don't remember how many games were actually completely finished. They were mostly through a season. They were getting ready for playoffs. And... Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to figure out a way to finish the season so that it comes to some sort of conclusion. Because as much as humans will admit that we don't necessarily need closure on a lot of stuff, we do. It's human nature. We want closure. We want an answer to what is going on in our lives. We want a conclusion so that we can move on. If this season was never finished or if the NHL season never gets finished, right? Because the other thing that keeps getting lost in all of this on social media and stuff, this doesn't confirm that these are going to happen. No. These are tentative dates. These are tentative plans. These are these are tentative, and they're all based on one thing, really, at this point, because the format has been set up. They know where they're going, yada, yada, yada. The NHL is the same way. The format's been set up. They probably know where they're going, even though they haven't announced it to the entire world. MLS is the same way, and we'll get into that one in a little bit. It's all based on health protocols and how they can maintain the safety of the players. Mm-hmm. And it keeps getting lost. Like it's it's missed in so many of the news articles, of the social media posts. Everybody seems to be forgetting that this is still predicated on the health and safety of the players. And if they don't think that they can pull it off safely you're not going to see the NBA return. You're not going to see the NHL return. You're not going to see the MLS. MLB might not start up. Like, There's a whole bunch of... Well, MLB has a whole other issue, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. But <laughs> there's, there's other issues that are in place other than the fact that they needed a format. And it's nice that they have a format. They have the framework for how it would return if everything goes right. Mm-hmm. But it keeps getting lost, and I wanted to say that. I've been wanting to say it for so long on social media, but I couldn't put the words out there. Now I have this, and it, the words came out. People need to understand that. And I'm I am adamant that I want sports back. You guys know that. Everyone who has ever talked to me knows how much I love sports. I need the sports. <laughs> it is huge for me. But I don't need it if it's going to hurt people i don't need it if people's lives are at risk there's no point yeah for sure so yes this is great that they have the framework and they're going to orlando where they have enough facilities to do it that espn wide world of sports 
is one of the most insane complexes I have ever seen. There's 14 soccer fields on that, uh, in that park, I believe. 10 to 12 oh. baseball diamonds. I think there's eight full-size gymnasiums. Like, the, the facility is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. And unless you've been there, you don't know. <laughs> right? oh, of course. We just hear ESPN wide, wide World of Sports, and it's like, what is it? I didn't know until I went down there. But it's crazy. Um, based off of this process, everybody has come out with the betting odds and everything, and I always like to talk about betting with Kyle. Somehow, the Houston Rockets have better odds than the Toronto Raptors of winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Can someone explain that to me? Anybody? Yeah, they don't like Canada and the fact that we won last year. That's well, it's also the fact that the West is so wide open right now of who is actually going to win um, compared to the East where they've pretty much ridden off every other team other than Milwaukee. So, um, But you have, you have to go through the Clippers and the Lakers in the West. Yeah. Well, now, but, but that's why the West has so many open opportunities is because there's a chance that potentially the Lakers and Clippers meet and one of them knocks each other out. And then the you know the Rockets slide in, take out the scraps potentially after that series. Because if, if there's a Lakers Clippers series, that thing's going to seven games, and it's going to be a hard fought series. But they won't see each other. Yeah, they won't see each other until we get to the conference. So the fact that Houston does have a pretty decent odd means that are they geared to beat the Clippers? Are they geared to beat LeBron and the Lakers? And, I don't know. Uh, I still think I still think the Raptors would have the easiest path because they'll. Like we would assume that they're good enough to make it to the third round, where they'll play Milwaukee. That seems to me like it's a little bit of a higher chance at, you know, getting a better odd at winning. Thank you. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's I what know. I don't get. I don't, know. I don't know. I feel like you know OKC's good this year. Um, you know Utah's been great the last couple of years. Denver's good. Like I don't like. Yeah, there's a lot of competition because there's so many good teams, and the East is a steamroll for some of the better teams. So I'm confused with the odds as well, but maybe maybe people are seeing something that Harden and Westbrook can do that's going to topple everybody ahead of them. Okay, well, first off, we also should be talking the fact that the Rockets are I mean, the team that's ahead of the Raptors. There's also the Denver Nuggets and Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. Boston Celtics, and Utah Jazz. Well, it depends on which uh, odds you're going with. I'm on bet three six five right now. Okay, to you're win on bet three six five. I'm looking at some like lines from a bunch of different places on the one that I'm looking at. Uh, Bovada, a big one. They have uh, the Raptors, Denver, and Philly, and Utah all with the same odds. Boston has better odds than Toronto, so they slide ahead of Toronto there. Um, yeah, so, so right now Utah and Toronto have 21. It's 21 ret- times your return to win the championship. Yeah. I just, like, the thing is, I just don't get why Toronto gets such a shit rep. Like, they're, they're a good team. I, I think it's, 
And they're going to be rested. Like, think about that. It's it's because they're going to match up with the Nets, and I think the odds makers are not are giving the Nets a chance that maybe Kyrie and Durant change their mind and come back to the season. Yeah, okay. And they they don't want to get screwed by not giving um, them a chance. I guess I think is the, the real question. Okay, I I I understand that, but like it just doesn't make sense to me that. They're so far down because that means the Celtics still have to go through. I think they're going to have to beat either Philly or Toronto in round two. And then, yeah. Or Milwaukee because I can't remember where Boston is in the standings off the top of my head. Boston's third. Boston's three. Boston's third. So they have to play Toronto in the second round. Yeah. And they're, they're basically saying that the way that Toronto has played Boston this year is they, they're going to lose. So. And Toronto has had, you know, injuries all year, and Nick Nurse hasn't been able to throw out his full plethora of players. So yeah, that well, makes you sense. can also you can you can also say that for the Celtics. The Celtics haven't been healthy either. So like, this is a good time for the teams to get healthy, and and I think it'll be a great series if it gets to that. I I just find it funny because like technically right now the Sixers and Celtics would play in the first round. Mm-hmm. So one of them would be out. Yeah. And if technically the Sixers upset the Celtics, that means the Sixers would play the Bucks in the second round. Yeah. Because if I'm correct, they go off seeding, right? Yeah. So the Sixers would be sixth seed, and I highly doubt Orlando or Brooklyn wins their first round season or series, which would make the Sixers the lowest seed to play. Mm. So. Right, and they play. You know I mean, the Raptors are playing either the Heat or the Pacers. Yeah. Which I would much rather play the Pacers, to be honest. I don't want to play Jimmy Jimmy Buckets in the playoffs. Why? Butler's not great in the playoffs. I, That's his problem. With him, with him, with no, with him on the Heat, he's carried that team this year. I know, but playoff Butler's a different beast altogether. Anyway, not not the point. Sure, playoff Butler's different, but. We also aren't the same team we were last year with Kawhi. You're right. I'm not denying that fact. Yeah. So, um, um, some other lines. Ready for this one, boys? Uh, yeah. Bet Radar. Another semi well known uh, betting site. Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, 76ers are fourth. Houston Rockets. Uh, these must have been at the beginning of the season because they had Golden State. At six, Golden State's not in. Yeah, that's, that's definitely at the beginning of the season. <laughs> I was gonna say now that I'm reading. Unless, unless they're, oh, they're, they're not even eligible for the playoffs. Isn't it? Yeah, they're not even in the playoffs. The rest of them are Utah, Denver, Boston, Brooklyn, Toronto. Yeah, so if, if Brooklyn's there, it's hundred percent because they thought Kyrie was gonna be there. Anyways, that's just that was totally besides the point, but. Um, yeah, the return to play is going to be very interesting, I think, having all the teams play in the same arena, in the same stadiums, or in the same, you know, little basketball gym on the ESPN Wide World of Sports campus, because they're probably not playing out of Orlando's actual stadium. Um, 
it will be interesting to see how the teams kind of play out because we don't know how healthy everyone actually is. We don't know how in shape everyone actually is on all these teams, right? As much as they're professional athletes, so they're going to be in shape, but game shape and being in shape are two very, very different things. It's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. how they all kind of play out. Oh, the games are going to be absolutely terrible. Like It's just the simple fact. They're going to be terrible. Well, the first eight, first yeah. When it comes like, to first, playoff, playoff, honestly, playoff. For, the, for the first eight playoff or play-in games, it's probably going to be terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when it, when it gets to the actual playoffs itself, I'm assuming they'll be ready to some, go. somewhat back into shape and yeah. ready yeah. to go. But That's what I'm saying. Like, by uh, that point, they'll be back to normal yeah. games, and then by the second or third round, you're going to get playoff, playoff intensity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what they're hoping for there. I, I kind of found it funny that the, the, the money – remember we were talking – about the MLB and how they're having problems with money. Yeah. Uh, and then the NBA is they're receiving their full paychecks. Yeah. Well, because the NBA movie or TV rights are ridiculous. Well, but, but the, they're saying it's because they took a 25% reduction in May for their paychecks. Yeah. That they're now giving them a full paycheck, which I found interesting because clearly the MLB is not willing to do that. So nope. it just shows how willing the league is to actually come back. Yeah, it's it's a it's an indictment on the MLB at at that point. Um, but it is what it is. Um, let's move over to the other league that announced their return to play, and that was the MLS this week. Um, and the players union ratified a new CBA, which was the biggest part about this, to avoid a lockout. Um, and in the new CBA, it also allows for a return to play in early July. And this is their 26-team tournament. And, Kyle, you were confused about this before, so I'm going to I'm gonna go through it because a lot of people probably are on the same page as you. Um, this isn't a return to a season. Like, the MLS should be mid-season right now. This isn't what they're doing. They kind of started the season. They're not, they're not going to say that there's no way to return to the season. Um, but what they're doing is they're calling this a mid-season tournament, and the point system might possibly work towards helping set up a playoff if they can return to play in September, October, and only play a certain number of games. So the points that you get in this tournament are valuable, even if you don't make it to the knockout round later. The round-robin points will become of value if they can get play back in September, October for your placing in the playoff. So... Mm-hmm. And, as much as you kind of want to just win this tournament now, just for the sake of winning this tournament and giving your fans something to cheer for, these points are still valuable towards later in the season. Um, they will be behind closed doors, and ironically, they're going to be at the exact same place that the NBA is going yeah. just a little earlier. <laughs> the plan is to have this tournament done by the time that the NBA is taking over Orlando. So... Kyle, I want to get your thoughts because I know you weren't uh, you weren't as well versed on this as I was. Um, I want to get your thoughts, and then I want to get our response thoughts. So, Kyle, let's let's hear from you first. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely think it's an interesting concept. Uh, from what I've been reading, is they've uh, they kind of consider it almost like a World Cup style. Um, is what I'm hearing. What is it? so it's a 16 team knockout, so it's kind of interesting in that fact. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also hearing that apparently the winner gets a CONCACAF Champions League first. 
Which um because they're which basically gives... no because you the reason is because they got rid of the uh, United States Cup, right? So that would automatically yeah. get a berth because they're not playing that this year. They needed a way to give the berth out anyway. So yeah, so I think it's just a little, that that little extra incentive for teams to actually you know go full on for this and yeah. and really work for it. And if the points do truly matter towards the uh, standings once the actual full season gets returned, then <clears throat> it's. Uh, it's definitely something that you know teams aren't going to take lightly comparatively, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's it'll be it'll be a good thing for MLS to come back and do this because it's almost almost like a test run um, for their main regular season. Yeah, um, to see to see how the teams will work and you know how the, the play-ins and all kind of stuff play work. So it's 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 definitely interesting, and, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it actually ends up. Irfan. Um, I mean, it's great to see the league starting up again. I know the CBA, they've been going back and forth for a couple of weeks. There's been issues with pay. There's been issues with rights. Um, so I think at this point, I think they realize that they can't keep, you know, shutting down the season. The players found an agreement with the league. Um, I think it's good for them. The only thing I might underline is, um, I know they're playing early July as league. That's the plan, but I hope the overlap with the NBA, there's some sort of regulation, some sort of protection for players and their families, uh, as well as the people working at these locations being like, okay, so I know we're going months, like the entire month is going to be these two major leagues. All eyes are on us. How are we going to, like, what's the plan to implement sanitation? What's the plan to implement player safety? And I know that they're going to, you know, test every athlete, um, whenever they need to. And if you're in quarantine, you'll follow the quarantine protocols. That's fine. It's just, how are they going to handle this with, you know, the eyes of the world looking at them? Because this, this might be something the MLB is keeping a close eye on to be like, Hey, this worked. Maybe we should go out there and maybe play if, you know, that's what they want to do. So I think it's great. Uh, it's a good stepping stone. It's just, I'm, I'm really interested to see the transition between the two major leagues. No, for sure. Um, and the fact that they're in the same place is kind of it puts a real strain on Orlando because first of all, Florida in and of itself was a hotbed, and now you're adding all of these players, all of these team personnel coming down to the same location. That that that's gonna put a strain. If they can pull it off, it's gonna be very impressive. Um, but we'll just have to see. Uh, I think this bodes well for teams that might not necessarily have a lot of depth because when you're in these shortened sort of tournament-style settings, your top guys are going every game. You're not having – you don't have to play the second team <laughs> in the middle of the season where everyone's sort of just getting a rest for a CONCACAF Champions League game or a Canadian Cup game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're playing everybody. So, TFC, who does actually have depth, this could hurt them in the end. You don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, Sort of connected to this as well, um, the National Women's Soccer League is doing their own sort of tournament style in Utah. The uh, Utah Challenge Cup is what they're calling it. Um, And that actually starts June 27th. um, And it's going to be a 25-game tournament. I'm not really sure how the 25 games are going to be broken down, but 
All right, we'll have to look into that a little bit more myself. Uh, it's going to follow knockout format with each club playing four games in a round robin, but I'm just not sure how it came out to 25 games. Either way, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, but that means we're going to have sports in North America most likely. Again, this is all barring health and safety protocols, yada, yada, yada. But we're going to have sports in North America soon. At the same time, there are the leagues that have canceled. And we know that. Um, friend of the show, Braden Culver, plays in League One Ontario. They, this past week, canceled their summer season completely. Uh, that means a bunch of my teammates from the Centennial Varsity team won't be playing League One this year. And to be honest, none of us are playing because all of Ontario soccer has been canceled pretty much for the summer season. So no matter what level you're playing, you're out of you're out of season. It's not it's just not going to happen. Um, we're we're still waiting to hear about what the fall seasons are sort of looking like. Um, OUA, OC, two A are probably going to be making announcements in the next week or so about what their plans are for the fall and for the winter because they're kind of waiting to see whether or not schools are going back into have students on campus. It, when that comes out, we'll, we will definitely have an announcement on our, our page. Not just because it affects me personally, <laughs> but because it is an important thing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how some of these sports come back and whether or not they do come back in the long run. Um, I am still interested to see which two cities get hub city status for the NHL. I don't know about you. Like that, that is something that actually interests me. I know we keep saying Vegas, but did you see Vegas open up this weekend? Did you see all the pictures of people going to Vegas in the casinos, on the casino oh, floor? Yeah, I saw people in the casinos. Literally, you could look at any casino, and I'm sure it's the exact same. But, but that, that, puts, yeah. that, to me, puts a strain on Vegas being considered as a hub city. Yeah. No. They're more likely looking at a Canadian city, no. if anything. No. No? I don't think a single like Canadian city West will get the team. hub city spot. There was rumors that it's potentially, potentially Toronto, but the, the logistical nightmare it would be to have people across the border and deal with that stuff is basically going to rule out the Canadian cities. Especially with Trudeau being so hard on that border being closed still. Yep. Um, I highly doubt it would have anything to do with uh, a crossover, potentially. So, Three words are going to stop the NHL from coming to tr- uh, Canada. 14-day quarantine. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Unless, um, yeah. Unless they're somehow willing to waive that for professional athletes, right I don't now. know. At, at this point, they're not. So. No. Yeah. It ain't then you're going to get the argument that Athletes are not, you know, better than anyone else, sort of thing. Like you're going to have people that are going to fight back and say, "Well, if we have to do it for two weeks, they have to do it. They're still part of the the country. They're still part of the residents. They pay their taxes. They're they're basically equal, even if the pay grade's different." That's it. That's but really all it is. At the same time, they're also not equal because, like, they're you know, obviously there's you get in trouble with the law and stuff like that, a professional athlete is taken way differently than a regular person. 
hundred percent. That's that's just the argument that people are gonna use. No, of course, and and it's gonna come down to um, if a, a Canadian city is really willing to have sports back. Yeah. If, if they're really willing to, they can make it work. They could, and our numbers are significantly less than the United States. But it just again, you're right. It comes down to so many different facets. Yeah. Yeah. And so. the, the thing is, in my mind, athletes are a form of entertainment. Damn skilled form of entertainment, but they're a form of entertainment. When is mm-hmm. entertainment considered an essential business? Right. If it is, that's fine. Like as soon as it becomes an essential business, that's great. Until it is, I don't care. Yeah. You don't get you don't get special treatment. Anyways, I think we've talked about this enough, so that'll do it for our kickoff segment brought to you by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Daniel and Gabriel are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Follow them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. So, we sort of mentioned about the riots and the protests going on in the States last week, but they had just started. This week has taken on a whole new level of what we were talking about last week, and there was no way that we could avoid this conversation, and not necessarily avoid, but not talk about it. Um, And it's a tough conversation to have, obviously, and... When you look at who we are, the three of us, it's not really a conversation that we might have. Let me, I know for myself personally, at least, there's an understanding there that I just don't have. I came from a middle-class white family. I've lived in Mississauga, a very multicultural city my entire life, right? The understanding that I have on this is very limited so i took a lot of what i wanted to say on social media and i i waited and i kept listening and i kept learning until i finally felt that i had the words to say and it turns out i didn't i didn't feel comfortable having the words to say because i don't know if there's a way for me to have the words to say and what instead i did is i listened to what people with a position, people who have the knowledge had to say on the topic. People like, I don't know if you guys follow me, but I I retweeted what Giannis said earlier this week because Mm -hmm. I felt he had the words that I was missing. It's a tough conversation. No matter who you are, it's a tough conversation to have. And Mm -hmm. That's that's my personal opinion, and I I am trying to do everything I can to learn. I am trying to educate myself on every possible way, and what has happened is wrong. There's no doubt about it. What happened to George Floyd, what happened to Breonna Taylor, what happened to all of the names that we see on social media every day, this week and we should continue to see on social media because this conversation isn't a week-long conversation 
It's not a year-long conversation. It's a forever conversation. I have done everything I can to learn about what's happening and try to educate myself. And I want to hear what you guys have to say because I've now talked for almost three minutes by myself and that's not right because it is a conversation. So I'll leave it up to you, Kyle or Fawn. What, what do you guys have to say on what's happened? Um, <clears throat> if you've been following me on social media, I think you probably see me retweet uh, an article yesterday that a friend of mine wrote. Um, and, you know, he, he came out, he's from the African-American community out here in Ottawa, and he, and he came out and said that we, you know, we appreciate the stance that people are taking, but you have to recognize the privilege that you come from, regardless of who you are. Um, and, and it's about teaching each other um, compassion, kindness, um, uh, and being able to say to yourself that once the media takes a spotlight out of this, because eventually they will, how are you going to um, continue the awareness? How are you going to continue the fight? Because throughout this week, like I didn't have words because again, like Nick said, like we're not as close to the situation. Yes, I am a, a man of color, but um, directly have not been impacted by the brutality that we are seeing. So how are we going to talk about it? How are we going to approach it? And I think the biggest thing I'm going to take away from this week, and there's a lot you can take away is the fact that it's about awareness. It's about understanding awareness. It's about understanding and underlining it. Um, and every athlete that's come out and said something, you can extrapolate the fact that it is about awareness. The fact that this shit exists, regardless of somebody uh, telling you it doesn't, it's a part of everyday life. Um, and it isn't abolished just yet. It isn't gone just yet, but because we're all in quarantine, and I think this has a huge factor to it, the fact that we're under quarantine, we have so much more time on our hands, and the fact that now people are like, well, we can't put up with this shit because we're actually seeing it. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, just increasing our awareness is the best we can do regardless of who we are. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I from what I've taken out of it, um, it's all about... Yes, awareness, but it's also about actually making a change mm-hmm. because it's basically it's become enough is enough, and, and people just had had it up to you know up to here with everything, right? And it's one of those until basically people like myself, right, that potentially you could be turning a blind eye to it, actually step up and make a change. Because it's as, as much as we want, you know, our professional athletes to make a, a change or, or you know say what they need to say, it's it's got to come from everybody. It's got to be a full round systematic change. It can't be, it can't just be you know a few people saying yeah, no black Black Lives Matter and leave it at that. No, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be standing up. It's got to be voting. It's got to be everything, you know, combined as a group effort to just end this racism as a whole. And it's not going to be easy. Trust me. There's people set in their ways and there's people that are saying all lives matter. And and sure they do, but not right now. That's not the point. Right. Right now it's, it's, it's people are hurting and have been hurting and we need to fix that. We need, we make need to make a change. Simple as that. And 
you know, I originally wasn't going to do, you know, that blackout Tuesday doing the black box because, um, in my mind, I didn't think it meant anything. Um, but I ended up doing that instead. Um, I did it, sorry, I did it anyways, is what I'm saying. And I think the reason why I did is because I actually want to make a change and people who are talking like this need to be also donating to these uh, charities and fundraisers that are helping these people that are protesting and actually trying to make a difference. Absolutely. You know, it, it's great if you voice yourself on social media, but do more. The social media is something that you can just have an image of and not actually make a change. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is actually getting some traction on this and trying to do a better for society. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, that's just my opinion. But. No, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think that's the biggest thing. And you brought up the Black Lives Matter and people saying all lives matter, right? And people might not just, just might not understand why saying all lives matter is the most useless thing. Yes, all lives matter. Like that's that's not what people are trying to deny when they say Black Lives Matter or any other lives matter. Like, all lives matter, but right now, white lives are not being threatened. Right, like white lives aren't in danger. They they haven't been in a while. Like no, but but that, that, I'm just trying to use this as like a, an explanation for people who don't understand no, no, what course. what the importance yeah. of Black Lives Matter, like the actual statement itself, is Black Lives Matter because right now they're being threatened, right? And until they're not threatened anymore, that's what's gonna that's why they matter this much, and they have yeah. this following. Once it becomes that all lives are equal in the eye of everybody then we'll say all lives matter and all lives will matter and all lives do matter. Like that's not the point. It's just right now, black lives are the ones that are at risk. Black lives are being threatened every day. If you're going to say all lives matter, then why aren't the black lives mattering right now? Like that's, it's as simple as that. So yes, it's about, everyone mattering but right now like nick said and like kyle said that's the underlying thing it's what's going on right now and no no, sorry go ahead i cut you off no i just said like you know like to reiterate what we're saying here is i just want to see sustenance from all the uh, the comments that we're seeing from the companies and leagues the players the people on social media because uh you know kyle's right when he says that you can say so much with a bag of words but it's about how you take those words and put them into action. Like, I don't know if either of you saw, but yesterday I was scrolling through Twitter and this lady literally just did a PR stunt where she goes out, takes a picture with the sign and then they walk away and go back into their car just so they can show that they were activists. So like, that's the stuff that needs to stop as well. It's about, yes. Okay. You know, I'm supporting what I want to support, but how are you doing it? What Mm -hmm. is your, what is your level of action here? Like, are you supporting a local business that's owned by um, like a black family? Like, are you, you know, reading a book that's written by a black author? Like, what are you doing that's supporting these things? If you can't give money, there's other ways to give back. Absolutely. And we'll put some links to stuff, uh, some places that maybe you can donate on our 
social media to give you an outlet if you would like. Um, so just check our Twitter page and stuff like that. We'll, we'll try to provide you with some outlets. Um, let's try to bring this back to uh, sport, semi-sport conversation and some of the responses to the Black Lives Matter and the protests and the riots that have been happening um, by athletes this week. Because we are a sports show, we do need to sort of connect everything to sports as much as we can. Um <clears throat> And the one that has gotten a lot of traction, obviously, is the comments made by Drew Brees. Uh, And he's had not one, not two, not three, but four comments this week, um, all sort of revolving around this. And the first one got him in some hot water. And rightfully so, because what he said was not right, I guess, especially considering everything that we know about uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeling uh, during the anthem and all this. What Breeze said was wrong, especially also because Breeze actually kneeled during the anthem back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yes, whatever. Um, but in an interview with Yahoo Finance, um, Breeze had this to say when asked um, what he thought about players kneeling when the NFL season starts. And he said, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country which is the same thing, by the way. Um, Let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the nation's anthem is being played and when I look at that flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, that brings me to tears thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movement in the 60s and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with this with our country right now? No, it is not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing the respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better and that is, that we are all part of the solution. Now, for those of you who don't know about the Kaepernick kneeling situation, um, he actually got input from a Green Beret, a former uh, football player, Nate Boyer. And his first week, he actually sat on the bench during the anthem. And Boyer basically said, listen, man, that kind of shows disrespect to the flag and all of those in the military, so why don't you kneel instead? It sh- still shows respect to those people, but it still gets your point across the right way. So, Bree's making comments about disrespecting the flag by kneeling were way out of line and totally didn't understand what was being done. Um, what did you guys think of Bree's initial comments? Um, I don't think it was about a flag. As simple as it is, I don't think it was about the flag. Like, I think when, when Cap was kneeling... It was about brutality. It was about increasing awareness. I don't think he's disrespecting soldiers of past and present. Yeah, so I get where Breeze is coming from in the sense that he's just trying to say this is what I respect and this is my point of view, but he made it sound like they're disrespecting the country and the flag and not. Right. Um, That was just my initial uh, point of view on that one. Kyle? Um. To me, he was moronic. 
um, if I'm being honest. Um, That's the whole point. I think the fact that the fact that people, majority white people, are saying that it's disrespecting the flag means that they don't understand the state of the country. Because the people that fought for that flag also would not stand for how the country is right now. For the most part, yeah. They would not. The injustice that's going through this country and how, you know, black men and lives are, and women as well, sorry, but are being taken and lost. Mm -hmm. Former army and Marines, there's no way they would be okay with this. So I, I get it. I get they all you're disrespecting the flag, but that flag doesn't mean anything right now. That flag has limited value for what the country actually means. The country is divided, and the United States are now united at one front, saying that none of this matters until Black Lives Matter. And I'm sorry, but I honestly would not be surprised if 95% of the league is kneeling when they come back. Uh-huh. Do you want and the honest it's answer? One of those, it's not what? just it's not just the NFL. I guarantee no, you no. I guarantee you any athlete in the next six, eight, ten months in multiple countries. By the way, those in Germany over the weekend, mm-hmm. most of the teams, if not all of the teams, kneeled before their games. Yeah, and it's one of those they're showing it now as it's a relevant point. But when this starts to slow down a little bit and die down a little bit, is there as much care? Right. I I understand that. To be honest, there was talk from my team about kneeling. We're a college in Canada. And there's talk Mm -hmm. about our team kneeling together. That's how big that, but that's, that's the story. That's how important this is. And Kyle, you might have said the best line I've heard all week. The United States needs to unite until Black Lives Matter to the point where that flag can mean something again. I know I totally butchered what you said because you made it sound a lot more elegant than I just did. But that that's a strong statement right there. And you're right. And to some extent, actually, I can't even say to some extent, to full extent, the Canadian flag is the same way. We might not have as big of a as big of a racism racism problem right now in Canada. I can say, hold on. Right we now. might not have as big of a racism problem with black people. We have a whole different story. No, I'm saying also right now it's not as bad as it is in the states, regardless of race. We still have a racism problem. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm not saying that we don't. Right? We have a history of it, too, that people seem to forget when they talk about racism in Canada. Mm-hmm. But our flag still needs to represent unity. Our flag needs to represent something stronger than what it is right now. Right? That's yep. that's what my statement was trying to get at. It's not right. there yet. Um, Drew Brees then had to make a statement the following day and he took to Instagram to do this and the Instagram post read and it's a long one so bear with me boys 
I'm going to try to get through this quickly. Um, I would like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, NFL community, and anyone that I hurt with my comments yesterday. In speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain I have caused. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity, solidarity centered around the American flag and the national anthem, I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on the issues we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness and any type of compassion or empathy. Instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing that somehow I am an enemy. This could not be further from the truth and is not my, an accurate reflection of my heart or my character. This is where I stand. And then he goes on to say, I stand with the black community in the fight against systemic racial injustice and police brutality and support the creation of real policy change that will make a difference. I condemn the years of oppression that have taken place throughout our black communities and still exist today. I acknowledge that we as Americans, including myself, have not done enough to fight for that equality or to truly understand the struggles and plight of the black community. I recognize that I am part of the solution and can be a leader for the black community in this movement. I will never know what it's like to be a black man or raise black children in America, but I will work every day to put myself in those shoes and fight for what is right. I've always been an ally, never an enemy. I am sick about the way my comments were perceived yesterday, but I take full responsibility and accountability. I recognize that I should do less talking and more listening, and when the black community is talking about their pain, we all need to listen. For that, I am very sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. The bold statement. Do you guys believe he is truly all of those things? He wouldn't have made those comments had he not got in a lot of shit for them. Yeah, if he didn't get called out. Yeah, if Rodgers didn't say anything, if LeBron didn't say anything, if his teammates didn't say anything, I don't think he would have realized it. And I'm, I'm guess, and you know what though? Like, if this wasn't a part of the movement now, and he said this, let's say six months ago, I don't think anyone would have called him out, or it wouldn't have been as big as it is. But he, I think he he had to make that statement regardless of how it went, just because um, he realized that you know he, his teammates, his pe- his peers are are judging him for it. Mm-hmm. And to build on that, I was going to get to the Rogers comment, but I'll I'll throw it in there right now. Rogers made a post on Instagram um, after the initial Breeze comments saying, a few years ago we were criticized for locking arms in solidarity before the game. It has never been about an anthem or a flag. Not then, not now. Listen with an open heart. Let's educate ourselves and then turn word and thought into action with a bunch of hashtags. Um, Rogers got ripped by former teammates for that statement because they don't believe he's being honest. Um, one of those being Martellus Bennett, who said, Rogers, they have a battle for racial equality. That's what they're get, trying to get a conversation started around. Doesn't sound like an ally, sounds like a spectator on other comments that he made. Mm-hmm. People are questioning Rogers too, but it was Rogers' comments and LeBron James's comments that sparked Breeze to give the apology. So how much of it is oh, yes. really an apology? It's like, oh shit, I said something. I have to take it back or else I'm going to lose my rep and my cud. Yeah. yeah. So unless he educates himself and he 
continues to work towards helping a community, uh, I don't really see change in anything. Like it's just words. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting. At. But yeah, he then went on <laughs> and made a video. Um, you can watch it on his Instagram account. I'm not gonna redo that one, but the good old Donald made comments towards Bree saying that he shouldn't have taken back what he said and that he was being right. You can read those comments. I will never I will never put a Donald Trump thing on our show. Mm-hmm. But Breeze had the wherewithal to respond to mm-hmm. Donald directly through Instagram. Um, and these were his comments on this. Through my ongoing conversations with friends, teammates, and leaders in the black community, I realized this is not an issue about the American flag. It never has been. We can no longer use the flag to turn people away or to distract them from real issues that face our black communities. We did this back in 2017, and regretfully, I brought it back with my comments this week. We must stop talking about the flag and shift our attention to the real issues of systemic racial injustice, economic oppression, police brutality, and judicial and prison reform. We are at a critical juncture in our nation's history, if not now, then when? He went on to talk about the white community, about what we can do. Mm-hmm. Those comments, I actually believe he's being honest about. And I know that I was just saying his initial apology might have been forced. Mm-hmm. These comments weren't. like Donald. He could have left Donald Trump saying that he thinks that Drew Brees should have just left his apology at the door. Right, he could have left it at that, and not and not brought back this comment. I truly do believe that Drew Brees is a good person. Right, I I believe yeah. that, and there there's no way for me to know that. I've never met the guy. I've never had a conversation with the guy. I see what he is in the world based off of what is shown through social media and through sports, and there's no way for me to know whether or not he is a good guy until I actually meet him, and that's fine. Yeah. I truly do think that what happened after his initial response and the fact that his teammates reached out to him and talked to him, like Michael Thomas reached out to him and talked to him, right? They've made that clear. A bunch of his teammates reached out and talked to him. I think he truly understands why his comments hit the way they did. And I think he sees that it's not about the flag. It's not about disrespecting anybody. It's about change. And that comment to Donald Trump shows that, in my opinion. I don't know. How the hell is he still allowed to have a freaking account? Like, okay, that's a different story. <laughs> We're not having that conversation. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't. I don't. Mm, okay, I'm good. We are trying to stay out of politics, Irfan. <laughs> if we went down that rabbit hole, we'd get in trouble. So I stopped myself there. I just shook my head. <laughs> but the comments that he made and the other comments that some of the other players have made in the NFL have shown that if you don't know, they're learning. And if you do know, you're doing something about it. Like, yeah. that that's what I've gotten from this week. I don't know. Is it, am I missing something? Am I reading wrong into this? Like, the NFL specifically, the NBA, same way, is that if you don't know, learn. If you've learned yeah. something. Right, and then you go to the NHL, and welcome to the NHL. We all know what the racial fun is. Um, 
and it, it, it is a problem. There's no doubt about it in my mind that racism is a problem in the NHL. Um, but you have players that are learning. And Blake Wheeler, who I've always respected, and his opinions always mean so much in my mind because he is such a well-respected player. Like I think you can talk to any player in the NHL. Everyone says Blake Wheeler is a respected player, I believe. Um, he might have put it in the best words possible for a white male NHL player. And it was very, very short, very sweet. And I'm going to read them out, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this, or I could be completely misreading this. Um, he wrote, I've spoken up. Now it's time for me to listen, educate myself, and come up with a long-term plan to continue this movement towards a better world for everyone. That's it. And it went along with 10 steps to non-optical allyship on Instagram. Right. It's a short, sweet post. And it's exactly what I think middle white class, white allies in general need to do. Am I, am I wrong? Like, tell me if I'm wrong, boys. Well, I think it's just reiterating what Evander Kane said over the last couple of weeks, what Akima Lou's been saying. Um, and I think he's recognizing that there is an issue and he said it. And uh, I think we need more and more players to start saying things and start acting and doing it like Zidane Ochoa was at the protest yesterday you know he made a comment Bergeron uh made a comment about the same thing and he's like this isn't something I want my kids to grow up in yeah yeah like I'm donating money here because we want to make a change so that's the thing you don't have to just throw money out but it's about how you're educating yourself are you going to this protest are you like what are you doing to help the cause and and I think Blake Wheeler summarized it really well coming from a white male um in a predominantly white sport um trying his best to include everyone that he's spoken to and you know talk about present and past teammates of color yeah you're right and a player that i never thought i would see involved in uh, protests and rally tyler sagan was at the dallas rally multiple days Mm -hmm. this week and we've all heard the stories about tyler sagan Right, he was not the mm-hmm. best junior player when it came to extracurricular events. I'm not saying he was acting on racist terms or anything, but he was a bit of a pest when it came to life and living in London. But he has shown immense growth in the NHL in regards to maturity, and he took another step this week by being part of these protests and by doing stuff like that. And I think this is going to open the eyes of so many athletes who, let's be honest, the top athletes get a lot handed to them, right? They don't have to face a whole lot of bullshit that some other athletes do. Right. Right. These guys who have been privileged for so long, getting so much handed to them are now going to have to be like, okay, I need to reevaluate. I need to rethink what is happening in my community. I need to rethink how I act to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big thing. 
because those guys are role models. They are. Like we yeah, grew up yeah. idolizing athletes, all three of us. A lot of people grow up idolizing athletes. If they are learning to become better, and the kids of the next generation are watching these athletes grow and become better human beings, that's going to be huge for the movement. That's going to be huge for, I guess, molding young minds. Mm-hmm. Right? We need that. We need people in positions of power. Right? Teachers need to start mm-hmm. thinking the same way. And for the most part, a lot of the teachers in this new generation do. We know a bunch ourselves. All of us do. Um, they do think very progressively and very forward-thinking. But they need to. People in positions of power, in lawmaking positions, need to have that conversation and need to learn and need to get better. And that includes the police. And there have been some absolutely horrendous videos uh, this week during the protest about how the police have acted in certain cases. And I'm not going to talk about them, really. Um, I'm going to bring up one, and that's the one in Buffalo, where the old man got pushed over by two cops. And the two cops got suspended. And 57 cops quit or stepped down from the task force that they were on and went to the courthouse and clapped as these two left. You want proof that there's a problem? You can find it. And unfortunately, with everything going on, it's not hard to find. I wish it was harder to find. In the sense that I wish there was less of it. I wish there was none. It, it would be much easier. It's The problem is, is that there's so much of it going on that it's so easy to find. And that's why there's new videos every day. And that's the problem. And that's the problem that we're trying to fix. And I, I think I think it's the good thing um, with today's age of social media and technology, the fact that this has been going on for years, and now that we finally have the ability and the platform to post all these videos and take videos and have evidence rather than just he said, she said, mm-hmm. it's it's now progressed as to where we are, where this is a huge movement, where it needs to be supported, where it needs to be finally eradicated, and lives need to be improved. It's really what it is. And like the fact that you know these all these videos of, of you know, cops pushing down people or grabbing people that are peacefully protesting and everything like this, it's now you see, unless you're out there on the front lines, so to say, um, you didn't see that before. You, you Obviously, you had heard it happen, but you'd never seen it before unless there was videos or pictures. And now everybody with their cell phone is taking a video and a picture. Yep. And it's enough is enough. And if this, if this was easy, it would have been done years ago. So You nailed it on that, Kyle. Irfan, do you want to add anything? 
No, I think we've we've talked about it um, a lot. I, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was when Willie O'Ree, the first uh, black man to play in the NHL, made a comment. Uh, I don't know if either of you got a chance to see that, but yep. um, he's like, I'm 84. I didn't think this would happen, but I'm still seeing it. So he was the guy who started it in the NHL where he's like the first black man to play, but he's also been the NHL's diversity ambassador for almost you know, over 24 years, like two decades. Like the fact that he came out and said that he hasn't seen this, um, I think it's time for a change. And I hope we can, I hope we can work together, um, you know, the three of us, but also uh, work together with our community. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's right there. We just need to work together as a community. And the more we can come together, the more we can talk about, this is hard of a conversation as it is, no matter what group of people it is. Because in Canada, Kyle mentioned it, it might not be necessarily the black community that is at as big of a risk, but there's still racism in Canada. Racism as a whole needs to be met and talked about and dealt with. And until it does, this conversation needs to keep going. And it's not, as I mentioned, it's not a week-long conversation. Mm-mm. There's not enough time in a week to have this conversation. This is a forever conversation. And it needs to continue to be a forever conversation. Um, I'm gonna... We've been talking about racism in sports for how long? Uh, um, so I mean, before our show started, you the three exactly. Of us. So, so I mean, if you're listening to this show, you know to count on us. Um, we're here to the best of our abilities. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna plug a great article written by Donovan Bennett. Um, I I retweeted it this week. If you want to understand, if you just want to learn, it's a great starting point. Donovan is obviously a well-respected uh, sports broadcaster in Canada. He is actually one of my broadcasting idols, not just for the fact that he went to Western <laughs> and actually worked yeah. in the same position that I did when I was there, um, but because I respect, I do respect his thoughts. I do respect his opinion, yeah. and he's Just very good. well-spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, read his article. It's a starting point, and we'll continue to post stuff as much as we can to help you find more outlets. Mm-hmm. But it's a starting point. Start there. Yep. Other than that, I, we've talked about it enough today. Well, no, we haven't, but I don't think you can ever talk about it enough. But we're going to end the show now, I guess is what I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Make sure you follow our social media Oh, did you want to say something or phone? I just, yeah, I just have one thing. Sorry. Sorry. Um, sorry, no, no, no. I've been just following this closely as best as I can. If you're going out protesting by any means, um, make sure you know your rights. Uh, make sure you hear your rights. Make sure you have, if you are detained or held accountable for something, make sure that you have the proper outlets to help yourself because recently the New York City judge just passed that your habeas corpus um, has been removed meaning that the cops in that particular city can arrest you for longer than 25 24 hours 
for anything. So if you're out there, make sure you're well-versed with your law. Uh, make sure you know your rights and that you have a phone number handy if anything of that sort happens. Also, I'm going to add on to that. Make sure you stay safe. Like, we are still in a pandemic. Let's not forget that. Like, COVID didn't just stop over the week. <laughs> stay safe. Make sure you have your protective stuff because we don't want anyone getting sick. We don't want anyone falling ill because of protests. Like, as important as the protests are, don't get me wrong, I do believe that they are important. We still need everyone to stay safe so that they continue to be important. If there's a spike in numbers, you're going to get people saying that it's the protests, not the people chilling out at the beach every weekend. So be careful. Exactly. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that'll do it for us this week. Make sure you follow our social media. As I was saying, we will try to post outlets for you guys um, and helpful articles. Uh, make sure you stay tuned to us as well as we will try to be bringing you more sports news um, on our website. We're working towards some big things at Garage Door Sports, so keep your eyes peeled. And by big things, I mean very big things. <laughs> um, we will have the announcement from the OUA, OC2A, NC2A as they come out in the next little bit about fall sports as we're still waiting to hear from that, and that's fine. Um. And other than that, yeah, that'll pretty much do it for this week. Uh, guys, do you want to sign off with anything? Perfect. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Vardy on Twitter. Irfan is at Irfan Manji. I, Nick McVicker, at Nick McVicker. And uh, we will see you next time, guys.